Welcome to the podcast of the Russell Springs First United Methodist Church. Our prayer is that this week's message inspires you, encourages you, and brings you closer to the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that this message would be for your glory and our good. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Here is this week's message. Good morning, and we want to thank uh, those for the music that uh, leads us in worship today. And um, just want to kind of give a confession to start out. Okay, I'm here with Dustin Gosser, as you know. Of course, we got our mask on. Maybe you don't know who we are. Uh, we're going to take these off because we are practicing social distancing, and we want to uh, be able to speak to you a little more clearly. But I want to start out with confession. Uh, today, we are doing something really radically different. In fact, I don't know that it's ever been done before. Maybe not. Maybe not in the history. It's going to be the first thing, first time. I, I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> Let me just pause. Because <laughs> yeah. we're doing a conversational sermon. Okay? Uh, I mean, why not? Why not do something different during this pandemic? Mm -hmm. I mean, everything's kind of different. Sure. So our preaching is going to be different today. Uh, I'm actually going to preach sitting in a chair, which is un unusual, you know, unless it's a high chair, you know, yeah. I can easily just, get just in. Just don't knock the table over. Not going to knock the away. table over. And, and honestly, there's not been a lot of preparation for this either. Yeah. I mean, the decision to go uh, all virtual was just made a couple of days ago. So, um, you know, we're trying to put this together, but I do have some good news. And that is, I'm just going to be honest, this is not live. We're not here on Sunday morning. We're doing this on Saturday morning. And so it's recorded. So if it's a total disaster, Dustin can just toss it out, okay? Start over. And do whatever he wants. He can pull one <laughs> off the internet, anything like that. So, uh, or we could even go live tomorrow. And yeah. If we can get mad, out, get mad out of bed. But that, if that would be the biggest challenge of okay. all, I think. All right. <laughs> well, first I want to review last week. And the reason I asked Dustin to be a part of this conversational sermon is because last week's message I thought was just right on point. Uh, stand up and stand out. And he talked about uh, the need for uh, uh, our, our time of exile. We're going to talk a little more about what that looks like, what that means, about the need for a spirit of excellence, uh, to live above reproach, and to be of great courage. I mean, those were the three. I remember, see, if you'd given yeah. a final exam, I would have aced that baby. You did good. Okay. Well, good. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about that because... Uh, you used the example of uh, Daniel and his yep. three friends. And I mean, those three things I mentioned, spirit of excellence, live above reproach, and be of great courage, they're tough during any time. Sure. That's tough to do at any time. But during exile in Babylon, um, that had to make it even more of a challenge. I think so. And, you know, as I read the story of Daniel and just thinking through the, these ideas, it just every verse you would read, it would just bring these things to light about how courageous they were, about you know, how they were just striving to live above reproach and with excellence. And I think those were the things that set them apart from their culture or from, you know, all the things that were happening. And that gave them a platform of influence and a way to advance the kingdom of God, even in the face of exile. So what you're saying is the story of Daniel, the lion's den, his three friends in the fiery furnace is more than just, you know, top 10 VBS stories of all time. Yes. <laughs> the, yeah. There's the a whole lot more to dig down in there and find, I think, right. if you just take the time to comb through those verses and, and really kind of picture yourself in, in that with them. Like yeah. what would, you yeah. know, one thing I told the youth on Wednesday night, I said, as I was reflecting on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
you know, when when they said, uh, if bow, and when you hear the music, bow down and worship the idol. If not, you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. Well, what would I have done? Oh yeah. Would I have would I have been willing to go to the fiery furnace yeah. knowing that yeah. that was coming? Yeah. And and I just when you put yourself in there in their shoes, it kind of brings it home for you. And, and they went into that fiery furnace without any hope that they might come out. Right. And in I fact, mean, they, they had, their hope was in God yeah. that he was going to take care of them, but not necessarily that they weren't going to fry. Correct. Correct. <laughs> because they, and they told them, they said, and even if not, yeah, but if not, and yeah. I just think that's so powerful, yeah. you know, that they, they, they knew ultimately yeah. their God was in control. Right. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned the, the youth group because you've been doing uh -huh. this with youth because uh, this book, uh, Faith for Exiles, is one you mentioned last week that we've both read and others have read. And, and this is just some just astounding numbers to me yeah. that I think we need to really stop and pay attention to. And, and in this book, he describes four kinds of ex exiles. And this is from the Barna Research Group, and they do solid, solid research. Yes. Dave Kinneman, Matt, Mark Matlock wrote this book. Uh, but they talk about four different kinds of exiles among 18 to 29-year-olds. Yep. Now, let me see. You you just made it out of that group. I just made it out of that group. Okay. No longer included. <laughs> All right. Close, but, but, but it's close. talking about 18 to 29-year-olds who were raised in church. Yeah. I mean, these are, are young people who were raised in the Christian faith. And here are the numbers that the Barn Research Group has come up with four kinds of exiles. 22% of those are what he calls prodigals. They just totally abandoned the faith. They just set it aside. 30% are nomads, mm -hmm. uh, which means that uh, they haven't been to church probably in six months or they just don't go to church. They're not active in a church anywhere. Another 38% he calls habitual churchgoers. That's the third kind of exile. And uh, those are ones who go to church, but there's nothing that really indicates that it really impacts how they live right. or their decision-making or anything like that. And here's the this, this, this shocking statistic. 10% of 18 to 29 year olds raised in church in our culture today are what they call res resilient disciples. And that means Christ followers who attend church at least, at least monthly, engage with their church more than just attending worship, truly are trust firmly in the authority of the Bible. They're committed to Jesus personally and affirm he was crucified and raised from the dead to conquer sin and death. And four, they express the desire to transform the broader society as an outcome of their faith. I just remember being shocked yeah. that we're only identifying 10% that would that would check those those marks. Sure, it's it's fascinating. And I had the same reaction whenever I first read it as well. You know, and being someone that is in youth ministry, it makes you really question yeah. what have we been doing? Right. Are, are we doing what we need to be doing to make disciples, to make resilient Christians that are going to be able to thrive in exile, yeah. that are going to be able to stand up against the culture and influence it for the kingdom of God rather than just falling into the into the, the fray, you know. Well, and that's that's a good point. And just one more comment uh, about that, Dustin. Uh, how would you describe exile today? How, I mean, we're obviously not carried off into Babylon, into another country. Sure. But what does exile look like here in America, in our culture today? You know, I don't think, and I, and I think you might have to, some of the old, older viewers of this or somebody that a little bit older than, than the, the age group we're talking about is going to recognize a time when it was celebrated to be a Christian. You know, if you were a local business owner, you went to church just so people wouldn't talk about you in the town. My second grade teacher started out with Bible reading every morning. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and those things have rapidly changed in the last 25, 30 years. And uh, I think we're seeing that now with our young people. 
Um, there's just so much of, of our culture that that teaches that well, Christianity it, it can't be something that we grab a onto. It can't be something that we wholeheartedly live into because you know it might make somebody feel uncomfortable or it might put someone down. Or and I think you're starting to see some of our younger people um, kind of viewing Christianity as something that they can just tack onto their life rather than something that should drive their life. Mm, yeah, that's good. That's a good description. Well, today we're going to look at a couple of prophets uh, from the Old Testament who actually prophesied to Israel during that time of exile as Israel was carried off into Babylon. Uh, we're going to look at Ezekiel and Jeremiah. And uh, just let me voice a word of caution, though, and, and we talked about this earlier. Um, there were a whole lot more prophets so-called prophets during those days than the books we have in the Bible. Yep. In fact, there were a whole lot more prophets and most of them were false. Yep. And there's some pretty strong language about listening to false prophets. And the end result for those prophets, well, it wasn't great. I'll just yeah. tell you that. You know, uh, God was really opposed to false prophets and really warned the people not to listen to their lies. And these were people who were from Jerusalem, from Israel, who were prophesying about you know what was going to happen and all those things and God was really stringent about who should be listened to and those are the prophets that we now uh, talk about and two today will be Jeremiah and Ezekiel uh, but it seems like today there's a whole lot of prophesying going on and I just want to warn you be careful who you listen to and be careful I don't want to be a prophet myself so sure. so uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot to listen to out there. sure and and I don't think there's any doubt that you know we can still have a word from God today. Um, but what you and I were talking earlier, there's a lot of voices speaking a lot of things uh, during this time. And um, I think a lot of that is just uh, a lot of the cultural upheaval and things that we sure, have experienced sure. during this time and with the pandemic. And it's kind of given some people a platform. And um, I, I just I'm with you. I really believe that we did, we need to be in prayer and, and discern who we're listening to and make sure that the voice that we're hearing is the voice of God. Yeah. You know, it's, I've got a book I told you about that's entitled The Last Days Are Here Again. And it chronicles throughout church history. Yep. Almost every generation has gone through a period of time where they say, oh, the end is here. Christ is coming again. I can see it happening. You know, and, and that gives rise to some speculation, some dreams, some things that I'm not real comfortable with, to be honest with yeah. you. Because Jesus said he didn't know. Right. Right? And he said the, the real uh, issue is to live today and right. to be aware and be going to watch and be ready. Today could be the day. And we need to live in that reality every day, not what's going to happen 10 years from now or 10 months from now. But what are we doing today? Correct. I think that's the key. I think it's recognizing that ultimately it's not going to matter when the end comes. As long as we're living our lives in such a manner that we are doing everything we can to further the kingdom of God Amen. and usher in the kingdom Amen. of heaven. And I think that's our goal and the rest will take care of itself. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to continue, as I said, looking at the prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Uh, and then we're going to sneak a third prophet in at the end. But let's start with Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet in exile. So he had been carried off from Judah, Jerusalem, with those who were carried off into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. And, and he had been a priest, or he was at least preparing to be a priest at the temple in Jerusalem. He was married, had a great life, and then all this happens, and he's carried off into exile. His plans certainly uh, were not to be a prophet in, in uh, Babylon. Uh, but like most exiles, um, Ezekiel wondered, was God still with them? 
I mean, most religions during ancient times and during those days, uh, they worshiped uh, tribal gods. And by a tribal God, what I mean is a God whose rule would extend within their tribal territory. And so you can see how easily Israel could kind of be carried into that same understanding of God uh, because the promised land. I mean, they were, they were brought out of slavery, uh, 400 years of slavery in Egypt and, and led to this promised land. And so it would be easy for them to kind of think, okay, yeah, we're the people of God and he's right here in Israel. You know? and, and, and so they could easily fall into that tribal God mentality. Well, now they're in exile. Now they're carried off to a foreign land, probably 500 miles away. They're carried off to this, uh, this land uh, uh, and have to be wondering, has Yahweh abandoned us? Is God still with us? Are we still his people? Well, in chapter one, it starts off with Ezekiel having a vision, and, and that's pretty consistent through the whole book of Ezekiel. Uh, he has a vision after five years in a refugee camp, okay? They've been living on the Kibar River in a refugee camp, basically the same kind you see today, you know, in, in different parts of the world. They're living in this refugee camp for five years, and, and they've just got to be wondering, and certainly Ezekiel is wondering, has God forgotten us? Well, uh, he begins in, in verse one through five. He talks about, uh, in verse one, he says, in my 30th year, in the fourth month of the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Now, uh, on down in that, uh, um, again, he's five years in exile, not eight months in a pandemic. Okay. He was five years in exile, not living out his call that he thought he had to be a priest. And then later on, it, it, he has this vision that has a, uh, just all kinds of um, you know, windstorm that's on fire. Uh, there are four creatures, and each of the creatures has four different faces. And uh, one's the face of a human, the other four faces of animals. I mean, it's just really stuff that's hard to understand just reading it and trying to, to experience what Ezekiel was going through. But he saw this man on fire. It wasn't just a man like we would see someone sitting on the throne. Toward the end of this vision, he sees this man on fire. It's like a metallic fire and his lights all around him. And in verse 28, he says, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. I mean, it kind of gives you the sense of, of this vision that it was like a rainbow, maybe the same kind Noah saw when he looked up into the sky. You know, it was a rainbow in the midst of a rainy day, the clouds of a rainy day. And then he says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. I mean, this was absolutely what Ezekiel needed, to know that God was still with them, that God was still listening, that God had not abandoned them after um, almost 30 years of uh, uh, how long he would be prophesying in exile, that God was going to be with them through it all. It's five years before he heard from God, and when he heard from him, he got another 27 years that he's prophesying about God's restoration of his people. Now, you have some good stuff. There's, there's some difficult stuff. And, and really, in fact, he was called uh, 
uh, the strangest of all Old Testament prophets because of these visions that are really hard to understand the meaning of. But there's also some great things in Ezekiel, like in chapter 37, the valley, the vision of the valley of the dry bones. I mean, how many times have you heard that preached at a revival? I mean, it's pretty common stuff, right? Uh, there are also times in Ezekiel 34 where he calls out the shepherds of Israel, those people who might be claiming to be prophets or those who are claiming to be in charge of the people of Israel. I kind of liken it to maybe professional clergy, okay? And he calls them out for not feeding the sheep of Israel, uh, for not taking care of the sheep, and for not going out to find the lost sheep. And, and so Ezekiel calls them out. But the main thing that happens there in chapter 1 is that God had not abandoned them. And that's the voice that he really needed to hear. All right, well, I've brought Dustin back into the picture after kind of going off the rails and uh, going into full-born preacher mode. You know, I mean, this conversational sermon has its limits. Yeah, okay? sure. yeah I understand when, that. When I get rolling. <laughs> um, but now we're going to look at Jeremiah, who prophesied from Jerusalem to the exiles in Babylon. Mm -hmm. So here you have Ezekiel, who's right in the midst of them, uh, living in, uh, in, and he gets a letter, or they're all getting a letter from Jeremiah, the prophet, who's still in Israel. And by the way, he had the hardest job because, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was total opposition to his message in Israel. I mean, honestly, you can read through the whole book of Jeremiah. He didn't have one convert. Mm -hmm. I mean, they tried to kill him. They threw him in a sewer, you know, yeah. left, him, left him down there. I mean, it was, it was rough on Jeremiah. And yet his message to the exiles, by and large, is very encouraging yeah. to those who are in Babylon. In fact, uh, we're going to read some from chapter 29. And, and this is what verse 1 just says. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And this letter is fascinating. So it goes right along with kind of what you talked about last week. Yeah about stand up and or stand out, stand mm -hmm. up, stand out. So read the, he's going to read, uh, that's going to read verses 4 through 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat the produce, marry and raise families, start families. 
uh, increase in numbers. Yeah. And it even said, seek the welfare, or as the, uh, another translation says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. So it's not Nebuchadnezzar who right. brought them into exile. It was the Lord. Mm -hmm. So this seemingly crazy situation was a part of his design, his purpose. Certainly not his desire for people, sure. but it was going to help fulfill his purpose. I mean, that that just, I mean, really? I know. Pray for Babylon to prosper? I know. I think it's so easy to lose sight of that. You know, that, that it was God handed them over to the Babylonians to send them into exile. It was part of God's plan or, you know, the way that he laid it out. And uh, just reading that, it's it, it kind of brings it into perspective to what we're dealing with today. And, and it doesn't say anything, interestingly enough, in that whole letter about uh, fight back. Right. You know, rebel against the government. You know, uh, um, ignore all that's going on in your culture and just be independent and be free. None of that's in there. I mean, he's saying live your best life right there in the midst of what may have been the most pagan, godless sure. city in history. And I think, like you mentioned a moment ago, and you read that, that's what Daniel and Shadrach yeah. and Meshach and Abednego, Absolutely. that's how they lived. And yeah. that's why they were able to have the influence. Had they yeah. rolled in there, guns a-blazing, saying, I'm not doing none of this mess, would they have ever been able to influence the culture in the way that they did? Yeah. I don't think so. And I Where think, you had em emperors like Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, you had <laughs> and King Darius, both of them yeah. eventually coming to honor the God of Israel, your pagan kings. Yeah. And that's because they they followed the, this advice and they, they lived out the way that God instructed them to do. Yeah, it kind of looks to me, Dustin, like too often we in America, we try to kind of fit our culture into the church. Yep instead of taking the church into the culture. Correct. You know, and we want to squeeze everybody into our mold and be just like us and leave us alone, don't bother us, yeah. instead of going out into this godless world, a broken world, yeah. and living a life that reflects the glory of God, yeah. that will bring about the kind of change. There are so many people out there looking for, for hope, looking for something, and we have the answer. There was an article on Firebrand this week that talked about that very thing, talking about how... If you are if you are a Christian, then you can't fit into a culture. You can't fit into a political party. It's right. too small, and it's, it needs to be the other way around. We need to be taking our taking our faith into the culture and Amen. influencing that way, not letting you know politics and and culture influence our Christianity. Yeah, and and one thing I've got to note because you hear this verse, verse eleven, quoted so many times. Yes. For I know the plans yeah. I have for you. It's on a but lot of walls. You really can't leave. You can't say eleven without ten. Right. And 10 says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Yeah. So God wasn't promising instant gratification no, or prosperity. It's not your prosperity verse mm -hmm. of the week. And I'm sure there were a lot of difficult times in those 70 years. Oh, my goodness. Well, we know Daniel yeah. and, you know, uh, you know, and, and his friends. I mean, yeah, there were really difficult yeah. times. Yeah. But God said, you know, live live a life. That's the best life you can live. Show them a different life. Be different. Yeah. Stand up and stand out. I think that's the ultimate theme, and you just continue to see it. Yeah, so next time you see that verse on a bumper sticker or on a T-shirt, go in there and add verse 10, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay, <laughs> after 70 years. Because <laughs> yep. it's not, yep. I mean, we, we, are, we are so results-oriented. And, and let's be honest. I know we talked about those 18 to 29-year-olds. But guess what? My generation raised them. My generation planted those seeds. Yeah. 
uh, we determine that comfort and, and convenience are values that are to be pursued if we're really going to be free in America. And I'm sorry, but that's not it. You know, that's not what um, our freedom is about. It's not about our comfort and our convenience or even our security. Yeah. You know, it's about living a life that reflects the values of the kingdom of God. It is. And I, I think that the, the for me, whenever I made the most growth in my Christian faith, was whenever I truly came to the realization that this life isn't about me. Yeah. It's about what I can do for the kingdom of God and how Jesus, you know, how my relationship with Jesus can help me do that. And, and uh, that has been very powerful for me. Okay. Well, I'm going to go off the rails one more time. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Both Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they share something in common in their message and really in the calling of all the prophets uh, during this time. And, and that is they, they help restore the hope. For the people of God. And that is so needed today, folks. I mean, our entire faith is built on the foundation of hope. And people today need that hope. With all that's going on, all the uncertainty, um, the illness, the spread of a virus, uh, whatever it may be, the division in our country, the, you know, the violence in the streets. I mean, we need to, we need to proclaim a message of hope that this world's not our home. Uh, in fact, uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. I mean, that's the foundation of our faith, is what we hope for. And, and hope itself is a, defined by the dictionary as a strong and confident expectation. But and living one day at a time, which is what we do, it really needs the fuel of hope. That hope every day is what we live by. Now, the opposite <clears throat> excuse me, of hope is despair. And despair, an attitude of despair is, I don't care. I don't care about you. I don't care about myself. I don't care about anyone. I don't care about anything in between. I just don't care. You know, there are a lot of things that happen in our world, uh, people who make decisions and, and, and go down roads that you think, gosh, how could that person do that? You know, just recently, if someone uh, I heard of who committed suicide, and I thought, gosh, how could they do that or someone who goes off into addiction again and again after having lost so much well the answer is the same at the, at the foundation they lost hope I mean they don't have hope for what life has to offer they've let go of hope and when you lose hope when there's no hope then you, the bottom's going to fall out uh, I, I heard a story years ago from someone who was from the area a story of a little small town in Western Kentucky, which is where I'm from, <clears throat> and very familiar with this, this town called Catawba, Kentucky. Uh, it's there at the land between the lakes uh, uh, on Barkley Lake, if you've ever been down to Kentucky and Barkley. Uh, but in the 1930s and 40s, uh, Catawba, Kentucky was just a small river community on the banks of the Cumberland River. Uh, and had a couple of thousand people live there, real nice community, the kind of place you'd love to live and raise a family. Uh, and then in 1944, Kentucky Lake was formed by flooding the Tennessee River. And of course, we know the you know people who are in the path of the flood are gonna their whole world's gonna be changed. Well, a rumor developed that another lake was gonna be formed by flooding the Cumberland River, which of course we now know as Barkley Lake, right? 
Well, the result is when that rumor got out and people started hearing that, they stopped caring for the community. They, they stopped uh, painting their fences. They stopped uh, you know, doing landscaping. They stopped taking care of the community. And what once had been a vibrant, beautiful little small town community really became just a wreck. Well, here's the problem. They didn't flood the river for another 20 years. It was 20 years before Lake Barkley was formed. So for 20 years, Catawba, Kentucky basically lived on a rumor instead of living by hope. And that's what can happen in our lives. We don't have the guarantee of another day, but we want this day to count. We want our lives to count for this day. We want our lives to count for something. We want to live according to the hope that we are children of God. The resurrection is our hope. Times are challenging, they're uncertain, but we have reason to hope. The resurrection and the promise of Jesus to return again, uh, not to the way things were, but instead to the way things will be. When those exiles did finally return uh, from uh, Babylon, a, a group of them went back and got permission to go back to Jerusalem. Their expectations were through the roof, man. They couldn't wait to get back to the way things were. Well, that's not what they found at all. When they got back, Jerusalem was in ruins. The temple had been destroyed. I mean, there was nothing about their homeland that looked like the way they remembered it. It was not the way things were. And sometimes, you know, we live by that. Boy, if we could just get back. How many times have I heard that in this pandemic? If we could just get back to the way things were. There may be no going back to the way things were but we still have hope. In fact, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, after a, a, a thorough discussion of the hope of the resurrection, the apostle Paul writes, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. It's not about this life. It's not about what we can return to. It's about where we're going. It's about who we're following. And it's about how we can glorify him today and this day. Now, uh, I'm through with my off-the-rail preaching, and Dustin's going to join me for our closing comments. Okay, we're going to squeeze in one more prophet, uh, just briefly. Uh, he's considered one of the minor prophets, but I don't find anything minor about yeah. these, the messages of what they really mean is they're shorter books, basically. Uh, but Zechariah is one that returned to Jerusalem. He was a prophet from exile who returned to Jerusalem and and saw and his own expectations of what they would find were shattered. Yeah. I mean, it was total ruins. And, you know, it's maybe something we should kind of pay attention to today. Again, as we think about going back to the way things were. Um, in fact, it's from this passage you're about to read that is quoted hundreds of years later about Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey for what we call the triumphal entry. Uh, before the cross and the resurrection. And Zechariah uses that same, that's where the verse comes from in Luke, that we talk about that. Uh, but Zechariah, like I said, he returned to Jerusalem from exile and he spent his time trying to encourage the people because they were so discouraged by what they found when they got there. So uh, let's, uh, let's listen to uh, this message to those people whose expectations were shattered and maybe it says something to us today. Zechariah 9, 9 through 12, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. 
Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from river to the ends, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. Amen. What a powerful promise. And you notice in that passage, he says, the chariots aren't going to do it. Yeah. He says, I'm taking those away. The war horses aren't going to do it. Instead, you're going to have a king riding into town on a donkey. Yeah. You know, when everybody's wanting to rebel and fight back and sure. overthrow and all that. But the phrase I love in there, Dustin, that, and the reason why you read it, I mentioned it on the video a couple weeks ago, is, is I want to be a prisoner of hope. Yeah. That's one prison we don't want to break out of. That's one place we want to remain locked up in the prison of hope because that's what will get us through this day and every day to come. That's right. And I think if we can just keep our perspective and choose to stand up and stand out and, and stay in those words and live by those words and take, take comfort in them, then we can be prisoners of hope. Amen. Why don't you close us in prayer? I'd be glad to. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for just the opportunity to be able to gather in such a way as this. Yes, Even though yes. it's not ideal, um, we would love to be together. It's, it's a blessing to be able to still share in your word, to hear what you have for us. Yes, God. And God, we just pray that moving forward that your word will saturate our hearts and that we'll be yes. able to apply it to our lives in such a way that yes. we do stand up and stand out, in such a way that we do become prisoners of hope that we can share that hope with a world that desperately needs it. Lord, we love you. Thank you for everything. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast of the Russell Springs First United Methodist Church. For more information, visit us on the web at www.russellspringsumc.com or on Facebook by searching for Russell Springs United Methodist Church. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.